right. Got our blood flowing. Yeah. And then when this finished, if you want, I could send a uh, copy of the audio. Uh, you got you got Apple. Oh, I was gonna say I could airdrop, but we could figure it out. Okay, okay, okay. Hi, welcome to Between the Pew and the Pulpit. I'm Fami Asabin, and uh, I'm Zachariah Smith. And this is our first show, and what we want to do is to give an introduction as to why we thought it would be. Beneficial for the church to have such a podcast and also some of information about us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So as we was talking about uh, the reason for the podcast, I know that one of the things that came up was we want to create a context for Christians to think through some of the doctrinal standpoints, some of the cultural standpoints and biblical standpoints as to help them to understand Christianity and also validate the Church of Christ in today's ever-changing context. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I agree. I agree, and, and we know, uh, Femi, from Scripture that it, it was it was a norm for people to come together at the temple to discuss things, to even debate things, to um, to challenge things, and to and to give a framework as to how we establish a relationship with God. And so, I think that this podcast is 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 aiming to do that to 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 not. Uh, steer away from deep questions, uh, yeah. hard questions, controversial questions, and to have a space, a safe haven that this is normal to have a culture of spiritual candor. Yeah, yeah. And also one thing that um, as we go forward for our listening audience and viewing audience and even a reminder for us as well is that our aim is not to discuss people but to discuss the topics. Mm. And so we're never going to ever slander anybody, but what we will do is challenge things that come up in the church. And we might through our growth, come to find out that we had a wrong view. We had a right view, but what we want to come to is the biblical view of what it is that we're discussing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I like that, you know, cause we, we're all growing as people yeah, and we, and we all uh, want to have a spirit of love and humility, you yeah. know? And so, yeah, I, I, I like that. I think that's the right approach. Yeah. I think, I think one of the things that helped me was that for me to build my faith, I had to struggle sometimes with areas of doubt and mm-hmm. uh, low faith and allowing myself to go through that got me to the point to where my faith is on a continual climb, you know, and and I don't want to ever discredit the actual seeking of growth. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you made me thought about something. Uh, I remember I was young and my, I had doubt about something. I think I went, had a period of bereavement and I didn't understand. I was young and my daddy pointed me to the scripture where the guy said, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. Yeah. And, yeah. and dad said, and he, he basically said, as Jesus said, come and let's come and see the Lord and work through those types of things. And so that was healthy for me as a young, younger person to know that it's okay yeah. To have doubt, unbelief, and that honest doubt can be worked through, you know. And so yeah. I, I appreciate that for, you know, allowing me to have that context to do that in. Yeah, because yeah. a lot of times what steers people away from from God is the fact that they don't have the warming context in which they can explore their doubt to lead to faith. Because we see in a lot of 
biblical narratives, there are, are people who struggle with different aspects of their walk with God. Mm. And some of that has to do with doubt. Some of that has to do with uh, understanding of who God is. And some of that has to do with just a lack of knowledge. But when we're really seeking God, I believe he gives us what we need to grow closer to mm. him. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I want this to be a place for that. And also, I think that it's important to state at the beginning that what we're really aiming for is the unity in the body. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, and Femi, you think about, you know, we talk about, you know, we know what should be done, but then how do we do it? Yeah. Right. And I, and I think these are steps that we're yeah. taking that direction, you know, of, of yeah. how we unify the church. And I think that one of the, one of the, the, the ways in which we unify is conversation. Yeah. You know, whether it be over coffee, uh, and I think that's how you and I met, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I met Femi. You and Mommy sharing the story. Oh, that's all good. Uh, uh, I think we met at a gospel meeting when I had just moved to Memphis. And then we went to Soulfish Cafe. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that uh, you shared, um, you know, where you were in life. I shared where you, I was in life and found out we had connecting stories and, and, and conversation, you know. Yeah. And we didn't know each other. You from. California, yeah. I'm from Mississippi. Yeah. You know, uh, you probably NWA, you know, back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tupac. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. you know, one more uh, Sweet Jones, UGK, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we talk and, and, you know, and I'm pretty sure we don't always agree on everything. Nobody does. But we, we you know, at so Fish, we just start keeping in contact and, yeah. um, and we, uh, preach for each other, I think, and 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 build a relationship through conversation. Yeah. And I think that 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 drew us closer together yeah. as brothers, as men, and you know, as aspiring leaders and 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 preachers of the church. And I think that 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 aspect of being able to see the humanity in each other and appreciate yeah. that led to what we're doing now. And I think that that process can happen for anybody. Yeah, and I also say with authentic attempts or authentic. Christianity, mm. you know, and it's not. And I, I think I could speak for you on this, Zachariah. Never judged each other, sure. you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And though we shared some things about each other's lives, it was just see each other as a brother in Christ mm-hmm. who is trying to do the right thing yeah. in this in this challenging times. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And so, what I think we want to do is extend that to all those in the body who would benefit from this recognizing that this is not church. We're just members of the church trying to help it and enhance it. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and encourage, you know, I would love to see Femi that uh, others, uh, whether it be a podcast or in their homes, to yeah. continue or to expand these conversations, invite people over for coffee yeah, and make it normal to, to talk about the word or just to talk about things or just to get together. Yeah, you know, outside of the the what we call the four walls of the worship assembly, you know, yeah. in the in the build community around those things, and I think that by doing so, I think we we will replicate what we see in the first century yeah. uh, in the church that they had a strong community because they, they depended on each other in ways that that uh, blows my mind, you know. Yeah, what I, what I think we miss is that, especially when you read the church that was established in Acts, is that what those Christians recognized was. All they had was each other. Mm-hmm. They live in the world, but their strength, their community, their all the 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 ties that held them 
strong in this world was in Christ. Mm. And nowadays we, we kind of miss that because we still have our family of origin nowadays, political parties, mm. our work, our job, our profession. And when I was coming up for good or bad, we used to say, you my church friends, but they my real friends, you know? <laughs> 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 and, and and I think that that spirit still goes throughout the church to some extent. And we haven't, as you were saying, fully exemplified what Christ established through the apostles yeah. and first, first origins of the church. For sure. For sure. So Fima, how, how would you define the church biblically? Biblically, I will say that there's one body, and that body was established on Pentecost, um, shortly after Jesus was crucified. Mm-hmm. And the reason I got to that is, um, what? Well, I'll say when I first started my journey back to Christ, because I was born in the church, but what I recognized was that when I was living worldly, and I had an incident to where, not just be honest had an abortion and me and the girl that I had the abortion with, which was not um, my ex-wife, but she looked at me one time and she said, have you ever killed somebody? And I said, nah, she said, now you have. Mm. And that just hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. And at the time she was going to school and I was always smart. And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I used to help her with her homework. And so she said, you should go to school because you're smart. So I did. And then I graduated. And everybody was encouraging me to go on because they saw my academic talents. And I was was wondering, what do I want to do with my life? So I decided to go to Lipscomb, study the Bible. But in that, I said, because I was raised in the Church of Christ, I said, is the church the only church? Because you know the doctrine, it's one true church. If you're not in the church, you're not going to go to heaven. And there's a lot of churches and there's a lot of genuine people in the world that want to have a relationship with God. But what does the Bible say? And so I started reading the Bible and I tried to, in my earnesty, and come at it as somebody who's never read it before. Mm-hmm. And it kept coming back to, there's one body, there's one church. So I started reading passages like, and I could read you a few first Corinthians one 12, you know, I'll just, I'll just do it like that because there's no better way to help us than look at scripture. Mm-hmm. So what, what I'm highlighting is the fact that as I was reading the Bible, it kept talking about the oneness of the church, the unity of the church, the very same thing that, I heard coming up in the church. So listen, first uh, Corinthians one and verse two unto the church of God, which is at Corinth to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints with, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. And then we are familiar with the passage in chapter 14 and, and verse 33, it says, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. And then you think about Romans, a church that Paul has never, ever been to. And then what does he tell him at the end of the, his letter? Romans 16, 16. Salute one another with a holy kiss. 
the churches of Christ salute you. And then go down to verse 23. Gaius, mine host, and the whole church saluteth you. So what he's showing is that there's, and there's plenty more that I could go into, but there's a whole connection of people that believe the same thing that Paul, that Peter, that James, that John, that all the apostles were teaching that started through Jesus Christ. Because what do we see when Jesus, before he ascends in Matthew at the end in chapter 28, he tells them to teach them all things which I've taught you. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, just coming from a rational standpoint, if at the inception of the church, there was one message and later on, I came to understand that a big reason for a lot of the letters is because there was confusion and misunderstanding of what the church is. So these letters clarify the teachings, the doctrines that solidify us as God's people. If there is one church, then let me get in line with that one that we find in scripture. Mm -hmm. And so as I was reading, I saw the tenets that we professed. Baptism is the way to salvation. Mm -hmm. That's what happened in Acts when the church was first established. That there was regular meetings and that they had a communion. That's what Paul talks about in Corinthians. That's what we see testified in Acts 20 upon the first day of the week. And so these very things that we professed were holding up biblically. Mm -hmm. And I didn't go to a lot of different churches, but I've talked to people who go to other denominations and they just weren't doing the same things. Mm -hmm. And they're sincere people, but they're not fully understanding of what God wants. Mm -hmm. And then I, as I grew, I started reading more and more scripture. Mm -hmm. And I saw that all throughout history that God has had a unified body. So in the Old Testament, that lineage that came before Moses gave the commandments, he was keeping his bloodline through Seth. Why? Because it's in Seth's days that man began to call upon the Lord. Mm -hmm. And then what happens? Through Seth's line, we see that there's this degeneration of mankind, and then we see Noah, who's a righteous man. Mm -hmm. And then there's a flood and God preserves Noah's family. And then 10 generations later, what happens? We don't hear about anybody that's keeping the line of what God wants. So he calls Abraham. Why does he call Abraham? Because in Abraham, he's going to bless the whole earth. You know, so there's a, a unity in that call to Abraham. And in Galatians, you see that that same Blessing is upon Christians today. Mm -hmm. and, and throughout the whole Old Testament, what happens? I establish a nation through this Abrahamic family, mm -hmm. and that becomes a nation of Israel. Mm -hmm. But even in that nation of Israel, there's only one way to serve God. Mm -hmm. And throughout all of their struggles and trying to be who God wants, what happens? They don't do what he wants. He exiles them, but he tells them, I'm going to send my word. I'm going to come and unify you guys again. So we see passages like Joel. We see prophets like Isaiah all talking about that God's going to unify his people. Mm -hmm. And what does he do that? He does that in Christ, mm -hmm. which is he established a church, which we read about in scripture. And it's, it'd probably be beneficial for us to just go through 
and have a show on Old Testament prophecy mm -hmm. and fulfillment of that prophecy mm -hmm. to show the connection between. Mm -hmm. But that's how I got to my faith now to where I can't be shaken from the fact that the Church of Christ is the body that God has called together. Mm -hmm. Now, I do understand that there's people who sincerely want to follow God, but they're doing it ignorantly. And there's some people who are being led astray by man for ulterior motives. But as I read scripture, there's nothing in scripture that gives me the understanding to widen what God has called in Christ to anything that's outside of what can be easily shown in scripture. Mm -hmm. So it's not about, I had a feeling it's not about I had some spiritual experience. It's not about what I thought, what my mama told me. It's not about none of that. It's about God's word. And if the Bible is going to be what I base my life on, what, what I earnestly believe that God is calling his people to, then that's what I have to hold as a standard. Mm -hmm. yeah. For sure. For sure. Good deal. What are, what are your... Um, yeah, man, when I think about the church... Uh, it's uh man it's <laughs> it's broad but as i think about biblically the definition how, how i perceive it right uh there are a lot of personages about the church the family of god the household of god i mean a lot of personages and all those are true about the church and so when i think about the church i think about god's god's love for man right we, we know that mankind sin, God is holy, God is perfect. The scriptures declare God is that way. And man, uh, Adam and Eve, they sin, which is a transgression of God's law. They they forsook God's law. They didn't trust God. I mean, there are a lot of things. We, we, we focus on the fruit that they ate, but there were yeah. a lot of things that came out of that. I mean, rebellion, yeah. uh, pride. I mean, there are a lot of. A lot of that, I mean, from that one seed comes many sins. It's like yeah. the, from the one seed of the fruit comes many different characteristics. But and so because of that, because they transgressed God's law, uh, physical death came upon man. Right. Man now is eternally lost because they're sin. And so God uh, says that his love is expressed in him trying to rescue his people. Right. Yeah. He's trying to rescue his people. And so. God uh, formulates this plan and that begins in the Old Testament, right? We see it being fulfilled through the nations and through those things. And so the way I the way I look at the church and is is I, I compare it. Sometimes I preach a sermon and I call it the tale of two ships, and I compare the Titanic, right? Yeah. And the Titanic was built with with, with man's hands, right? And the ultimate it sank. I mean, the, uh, it sank because. Mankind didn't have the ingenuity to see into the future. They didn't have the ingenuity to see into. They just they're limited and and, and it sank because yeah. it was built by man. Yeah. However, conversely, the church that God built, right, is it was set forth because we were in tempestuous sea, sin, yeah. and Jesus and God commissioned His Himself to come to Earth to insulate Himself. And the tabernacle among, and he built it from the ground up, from the foundation up with himself. And then, um, so I think about the church in, in that way that that Jesus, uh, who was the incarnate incarnation of God, right? He, he's and when, we, when we say incarnation, we're saying that God in human form, right? Jesus yeah. is God. He's in human form. He comes to earth 
through that plan, love, and, and, and he came, he come to redeem us. Yeah. And he yeah. built a ship, right, that all people can be a part of, you know. I don't know about you, Femi, but I've never been to the White House. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, I never seen an invitation to call. Yeah. Probably never will. Yeah. But the but the but when I think about the church, it's, it's God's safety. Now, just like in the ark, right? There were many ships that I'm pretty sure they had, but the ark was the only one that God said, this is what salvation is found. And so when we think about the church, I think about the church. It's a place that God uh, built a special place of safety. And, and how does Ephesians classify the church? Ephesians 2, those who were once dead, they, they now have been made alive, right? Yeah. And so uh, sometimes, and, and this is what kind of began my journey into Christ, is because sometimes I would hear from uh, other theological positions that they would separate Christ and the church. You know, you can have Christ. I can get Christ, but I don't. I don't have to be a part of the church. Yeah, I heard that concept. That was broad. You know, I have a. I have a relationship, but I don't do religion. And they and they synchronize religion with church, going to church worship. But then, what I realized is that you can't separate the two. That if if I come to Christ right and I obey Jesus by virtue of that, I'm already in part of it because they're one and the same. Yeah, so it's like a coin. Isn't you right? And so the church, Paul defines that. That that we the church is, is the p- place where those who were dead they're called out of to that place and then he and he talks about that in Ephesians and think about Ephesians it's a place Gentilian you and me yeah. Jew there's a partition there's a denomination there's something that divides them yeah and G, this is the the ark this is the ship he says that I tore all those things like we got curtains up right. Mm-hmm. Now, if we if I pull this curtain, it divides us. But now, he tears that down. Yeah. One Lord, one faith. It, it's not. There's no race. There's no. I mean, it is race, but in the sense of, and maybe we talk about that. You know, right? Yeah. You know, it is, but it's it's what brings us together, all in one place. There's no political, whatever, none of that. What makes us candidates is that we are sinners. Yeah. And we make contact with His blood, and now uh, we're in there, and so the church. As you said, it's it's God's is 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 God's safety, it's God's love for people, right? And and everyone can come, whosoever yeah. will let him come, right? And that and that that and as you said, I, I would hear it, but then I start reading the Bible, um, because my dad would always and my 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 father and mother would um talk about that the word of God and that everything must be based upon that. Right. And, and the apostles talked about that, even Jesus himself. Yeah. I know we're going to talk about this. Sometimes I hear people talk about, well, uh, I don't trust the scriptures. Well, I said, Jesus trusted the scriptures. He, he even used the translation. Yeah. Shit, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, I know we're going to talk about that, yeah. but when you read scripture and I think, and I think that's an appeal I would make to, to um, we make to each other and I would make to anybody that, there are a lot of claims that the good book make with each other, but people never deal with what the book says. Yeah. And I think that before you discredit it, you know, try it, try it, you know? And so for me, the, uh, I, 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 as I think about the try, I think about it from that standpoint, you know, and it's many percentages, you know, I mean, it's, but it's, it's, it's the place where, um, and, and you know, where God's people. And when we talk about the church of Christ, you know, I think that sometimes we live in a world where there's so much 
so much religious division, but it's just simply the church is those who God calls out, right? Yeah. You know, those who God saved, and so they belong to Jesus. That's what we want to be. We, yeah. We're letting people know we just belong to Jesus, you know, which which means that if I'm if I'm in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are many personages that defines me, I'm church of God, the church of the firstborn, all those different, but they mean the same thing. Yeah. And they describe the same group of people. Yeah. What, what I, what I think is beautiful as you think about what God has called us to in the Bible is that it's fair because it's uniform, mm-hmm. universal to all people. Mm-hmm. So what, what also helped me was that, it would be unfair if I got saved one way, you got saved another way, somebody else got saved a different way, and none of this is all defined scripturally. Mm-hmm. It's different if we could all say holistically, because you could go and pick out a verse and mm-hmm. say this, what it, but holistically, it it shows us how God wants us to be. Mm-hmm. And for everybody to say all of these are ways to God is unfair mm-hmm. because then that means that God is confusing people mm-hmm. because if that's the case, then how, who's to say your way is correct and mine is incorrect. If I could show you mine in scripture and you can't show me yours in scripture. Mm-hmm. And when you start thinking about even the things that God calls us to, it's it's very universal in the fact that it's all predicated upon your belief in this message, this gospel message. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you say through baptism, being submerged in water? There is water everywhere on this planet. Mm-hmm. Something that I I believe to be true, I came across online. You know, you got to take everything you read online mm-hmm. with a grain of salt. But mm-hmm. they said that. Grapes grow on every climate in the world. Mm. So there's no reason not to have communion. Mm -hmm. We already know that everybody has some type of bread. And what does he say? I want unleavened bread, Mm -hmm. bread without yeast. So that's part of your communion. He blesses us weekly. I'm just pointing out things in worship. Mm -hmm. He blesses us weekly for what? To supply the needs of the saints, those who are in need, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. nobody can be in a church context and say, I don't have anything because God has <laughs> blessed me. And it doesn't have to be money. Right, right. It's, it's for the needs of the saints. Yeah. And then you start thinking about, oh, the church of Christ, I don't like their music because they just sing. But wait a second. Singing is an element of worship that everybody can do. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be gifted to sing and really what God says, I'm I'm judging your heart. Mm-hmm. So we all can sing. And what else happens in that singing? We're teaching and we're admonishing each other. Mm-hmm. I know sometimes I go through a hard time or I'm, I got a struggle or I feel a way, good or bad. And what, what comes to my mind? A church song. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes not even a whole song. Mm-hmm. But it's the singing. Mm-hmm. And we bring glory and honor to God through our voice and the sincerity of our heart, not necessarily how good it sounds to each other, Mm -hmm. but this is something that we all can do. Mm -hmm. If you're in a context to where you're a Christian, there is somebody who has a word from God. Why? 
Because nine out of ten times they have a Bible, they studied it. And even if, say by chance that me or you went to go preach somewhere and we forgot maybe our Bible, we got our notes. Mm -hmm. Or if we don't have it, we've been in this long enough to where, you know what, I'm going to keep it short, simple, and sweet. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to give you a word of God that the Spirit is going to help. And then we can, anybody can pray. Mm-hmm. So these acts of worship that we do, they're simplistic, but they can also be universally done. So I can go to the middle of Africa with my brothers and sisters mm-hmm. and I can worship with them mm-hmm. and not have to worry about, do we have somebody who could play the organ? You know, do we... You know, not not to have to worship, worry about all these worldly things, yeah. But just focus on what God gave us, mm-hmm. because it's universal, it's easily accessed, and we know if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything you want. Mm-hmm. So if you want to do what God says, you'll find a way to do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, not for sure. Yeah, yeah. and I, and I thank God the supply. You yeah. know, uh, brother, it's a brother and Laurel, brother Jerry Graham. I like how he puts it. God will create the circumstance. Uh, for his will to be done you know yeah and i think a classic example of that is in the uh, i think the eighth chapter of the eighth division of the book of acts i think it's it's the ethiopian unit yeah and uh and i and i, I have been to africa several times and i've been through the sub-saharan and i've been through uh, some of the jungles and there are there are places in the uh, sub-saharan where there there is no water you know um uh, but and and this is not just in the Acts eight, but wherever God's wherever God uh, whatever His will is, He creates the circumstance, as Brother Graham would say, to accomplish it. Yeah. And in the eighth division of Acts here, the Ethiopian unit is reading the scripture. Uh, I think the fifty third division of the great poet Isaiah. You know, yeah. and God, know what God does. He even before they got to the water, he created a circumstance so someone can teach him. The brother joined the chariot where he was, where he was riding, right, and teach him the word. And then not only that, the other circumstance. Here's some water. What hinders me? You know what's beautiful about that, <laughs> and that just highlights the necessity of baptism. Mm-hmm. Because what does Philip teach him? He takes him from that same spot Isaiah is talking about, mm-hmm. and he teaches him Jesus. What does the Ethiopian eunuch say? There's water. Mm-hmm. What does hinder me from being baptized? Mm-hmm. You see, Philip in the passage doesn't say anything explicitly written in Acts about baptism, mm-hmm. but the Ethiopian from being taught Jesus by Philip highlights there goes water, baptize me. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people talk about you don't need to be baptized, but how would that man jump to that conclusion being taught Jesus in the desert? Right. If it wasn't necessity. Right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you, 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 uh, Evoke two thoughts in in my mind. You mind if I share them? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Two thoughts came to mind, uh, brother Femi, as we think about the, we're talking about the church, and we're just elaborating about what the scripture teaches about the church, you know, and 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 therein. And, and when you think about the church, you know, we we know that the the gospel uh, message, right? And 
the good news and and in the good news the Bible first Corinthians 15 1 through 4 that uh, man we're, we we are lost and doomed God through his love responds to that and chases us yeah you see it in the book of Hosea a guy he gives imagery that we've been unfaithful but God you know uses Hosea as a way to show his his that he's He's still with the unfaithful. <laughs> Why? Because we've yeah. been we're, we're filthy before God, but God still chases us. He still loves us, uh, and He provides a place for us to be clean, right? Yeah. Uh, to be born again and and to make contact with His blood, and He He invites us, right? And sometimes I think that um, individuals, when we think about the church, right? I think that's what that's 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 a deflecting point. Some people. Believe they're, 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 you know, there are different modes. People think that this is how you get you you, you establish a relationship with God. Do this, do that, do that. But one thing that I think what what hinders people is because they don't understand the gospel message, right? Yeah. What grace is that God's grace is that He 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 orchestrates the plan. But then there's faith. Paul said, I think Ephesians by grace through through faith. And I think about it like this, Femi. Um, I was at Mississippi State. And uh, I was an engineering major. My first year, I worked two jobs because I didn't understand that college is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you sold the dream. Huh? <laughs> I know, we'll take it. Uh, but I'm thankful for the experience. And my dad gave me, I think, seven hundred or a thousand dollars. You know, yeah. And that I didn't earn that. That was just that was a gift. That was his grace. And he gave me a check. He gave me a, a stack, as we would say, yeah. and uh, that was grace. That was his grace because he didn't have to do it. He didn't owe me anything. Yeah, but Daddy felt like, well, I'm, I'm gonna do that, and so. But Femi, when I went to the bank, the bank told me I had to sign or endorse that check to make the funds efficacious to yeah. my account, and I think that that's really how it. Is. And when I signed that check, did I add to the the amount? No, mm-hmm. did, did did I did I uh, contribute to that working to get that amount? No, no. did I subtract from it? Mm-mm. But in order for, for the funds to be efficacious, I had to endorse the check. You know, and I think a lot of people don't understand. They 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 think like baptism or repenting is adding to what Jesus did on the cross. No, the farther from the truth. Just like the check, right? Yeah, and just, and we see examples all throughout Scripture where God says that. As a matter of fact, Jesus would say He saw their faith. What, well, how did he, he start to fade by, by their works? And so I t- try to explain to people that when we obey God, we don't add to nothing. We, not a works. Yeah. But but that's what faith is. Faith is me, just like me endorsing a check. And when I endorse a check and I repent and confess God and be baptized, that's me really saying to God that I'm in, on your term through the system. I believe that what you said is going to work. Gonna work. So I'm going to do what you said. Do what you said. Yeah. You know, and so many people really, and, I, and I, I don't think people realize if you just study theology, that many of the reformers, and even before the reformers, I got a book called Handbook on Baptism, and they agreed on that. I, I, don't, I don't think people realize it wasn't until um, the Protestantism against the Catholic Church, but before even before the Catholic Church came in, people like... Uh, According to what I read historically, they agreed on that. There was no divergent teaching on how we're saved, you know. Yeah. And so I think people sometimes um, they may not be privy to that information, but what it shows um, that we know Scripture is right. 
Yeah. You know, we don't we don't need extra curricular or extra biblical revelation to confirm what the book is teaching. Yeah. But I think it's a tool to help people to see where the where we've gotten off track, you know, maybe. But it should help us to see well what does the Bible say and, and let me remove any bias yeah. that I may yeah. have uh into God's plan and realize God can do whatever he wanna do. Yeah. You know, if God, God can do anything. And so if I he think, said bark like a dog. <laughs> That's what it say. You know, you know what I'm saying? You know, and I think that some people have accused us of, you know, maybe a works theology, but I try to help them. To, and let me just be honest. I, I met some brothers. It's extremes in everything. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I tell people all the time, look, there are extremes and it isn't, and it's extreme in, in, on their side. Yeah. So I'm, cause that's a human factor. Yeah. Anytime you got humans, no matter what entity you bring in, it's going to be some dirt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, cause we made of dirt, you know, yeah. Now, matter of fact, my grandma and they used to cook the dirt in Mississippi. Yeah. You know, but uh, <laughs> they used to eat dirt. <laughs> but yeah. we, I don't advise it. I tasted it. It didn't taste good. But anyway, um, you know, female, but I think that sometimes we not sure, but but God's word is God's word, and we gotta have the faith to do it and, and realize that, you know, we just respond to God's message and that his grace and favor. Um, because we want to make contact with his blood, you know. And I think that that's that's what we, and, and and we just ask, does the Bible teach that yes yeah, or no yeah you know yeah. And, and I think that's that's the point we have to ask what does the scripture teach yeah and be humble enough to say well, is that what the scripture teach then I I got to figure out why where religious body or my own conviction is not aligning up to that you know but you you know I think it goes back to the point that you said with Adam and Eve with that first sin there was the inception of a whole bunch of other stuff that it brought in. And one of them being rebellion. Mm -hmm. And what happens, I think is we come into contact with parts of God word and we don't like it. Mm -hmm. It don't make sense to us. Don't understand it. It's something I don't want to do. Mm -hmm. And so we justify in our minds to why we can negate it instead of, Say, you know what, let me take a step back because if God is really trying to save me, then that means I need to be saved from something. And nine out of 10 times, it's myself. Mm -hmm. We look at the situations we put ourselves in. A lot of it was based upon decisions that we made to do the things that led us down the wrong path. Mm -hmm. You know, even though we've been told, no, don't do that. This is a better option. Mm -hmm. At some point, we made a decision to make our circumstance worse. Yeah. And when we start taking ownership on our own, our own weaknesses, our own shortcomings, mm -hmm. then it gives more and more room for faith to grow and trust. Okay, let me just do what God says. Let me see if mm -hmm. that works mm -hmm. and not fight it. Because mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you, honestly, I can't tell you how. Getting dipped in water washes away your sin. Mm -hmm. Other than that's what God said do. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm going to teach. That's what I'm going to live my life by. And I'm going to have faith in it. Right, right. You know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Femi made me thought about something. Um, um, Acts chapter 2, right? Mm-hmm. We see in Acts chapter 2. The fulfillment, the book of Acts was written 
by Luke. Mm-hmm. He wrote the book of Luke, and he wrote the book of Acts to one person, Theophilus. Yeah. He fin- he it's like Paul Harvey. He's he's finishing the story. You know, and now he gets to the point, and he's writing to Theophilus about the history of the church, and um, you know, and and so, um, Peter gets up along with the rest of the apostles and preaches a message, but often, sometimes, I who, who is he preaching to? Who, Peter? Peter. Uh, the Jews at Pentecost? The Jews at Pentecost. From all over. From all over. Yeah. Many of whom were actually guilty of murdering Jesus. You, you know what I've, uh, I've often wondered was that um, at Jesus' trial, and even here, because they were pricked to the hearts, but how many of those people had Jesus healed? Mm. How many of those people... It says he fed 5,000, 4,000 one time, and that's men and children. Mm-hmm. I mean, not including men and children. So, ain't no telling how many actually that number was. So, it's just on a low number. Say that's 15,000 people. Mm-hmm. How many of those people that actually were benefited by miracles that Jesus did were at his crucifixion, saying crucify him, mm-hmm. and then were also at Pentecost? Because that was a... That was a high day for the mm-hmm. Jews. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to come. Mm-hmm. Because we see on his triumphant entry, there was a group there throwing down palm scenes saying, Hosanna, son of David. Mm-hmm. And just a few days later, they're talking about crucifying him. Mm-hmm. Fickle people. But I think, think it goes to your point. How many of those people were at one point for Jesus, let the crowd sway them, the leadership religious leadership dare I say mm-hmm. to be against Jesus and now they're confronted with truth mm-hmm. and now they have to make a decision am I going to accept this mm-hmm. despite my guilty part in this right right and am I going to humble myself and because we look at it it's like okay there's 3,000 people that were saved mm-hmm. but I bet that that was a low number based upon you read how they talk about all these Jews from all over mm-hmm. came. That was a small number comparatively. Yeah. Yo, yeah. Small number. You're right. Cause, cause they said, well, it could be well over a million people there that day. And what? 3000. That's less than what? 1%. One, 1%. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and to have the courage. Yeah. To go against the masses. Right. And say, I'm going to be baptized. I believe it. Right. Where right. You got some people talking about these men are drunk. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're exactly right. And I think to add on to that, that there were different religious sects. You had the Pharisees, right? You had the Sadducees. You had the Zealots. You had different sects within Rome that yeah. that you know that they had different theological persuasions. And they even even the people said we have no king but Caesar. So they were colonized into the Romans' ideology, right? So you had a lot of different things, and even. Those who want to hold on to, to the Jude, their perception of Judaism and their perception of what it was to the to the to the na- to national Israel, right? Yeah, they were trying to hold on to that. Hebrews make the point that you know we, we don't draw back unto perdition. You know we yeah. believe to the saving of our souls. Perhaps it may have been because Rome was you know allowing them to practice Jews, but we ain't gonna practice Christ because they thought it was a threat to Caesar. But whatever it came to be, 
here the people um, heard a message, and what were they? What what was the message? You know, what I mean, they were told to repent. Why? Because they had been guilty. They were guilty, which all of us are guilty. We yeah. sing a song, "Were you there?" Yeah, we all were there, metaphorically speaking. You yeah. know, our sins put us there, uh, throwing the stones at Jesus. You know, and I think that that we come in humility, and 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 then you know we 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 understand. I think we know that there are some people who who uh, they just check the list out. They just they they get wet, but they're not converted, right? Yeah. And so we understand that that the gospel message, right, is it it it, it shows us who we are. It indicts us, right? It lets us know that we are sinners and that we are undeserving beings, which we, we so we gotta repent. Yeah. You know, and then hearing the message of God, that would produce faith, right? When I think about the Hall of Fame of God, how Jesus Hebrews eleven. Hebrews eleven, how Jesus came through forty two generations. And I think about how that after God, like you said, made us and we still do all these sinful things. Jesus, not only that, God came Himself, poor, humble, beat, never had the experiences that we had, you know, and then to be crucified the way He was, yeah, by His own, yeah, you know, and 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 that, and when I, when I understand the love of God in that way, right, when I when I really fathom that, and I'm like, wow, for all for me. Yeah, and I'm gonna be honest with you, Femi. You know that you know there are days, and I look back at life. I'm like, man, there been some things that I did that really was not of God. You know, um, struggle with things. You know, in my life, sexual immorality been a part of my life. You know, anger, fighting. You know, I mean, a whole lot of just decadent things, and yet yeah. clothes on our backs, food on our table. You know, good, relatively good health. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I can I can just laundry list the blessings of God, and we're undeserving. Yeah. And and when I hear that message, I respond to God and say, Lord, I I am nothing in your sight. I I renounce everything that I am, and that's really what He was telling. Them. They renounced everything that they yeah. repent. I've changed my way of thinking, and I've take taken on yours. Taken on yours, and we think about that. We talking about the church. This is what the church is. Yeah. You know, it, it is people who are guilty of sin, and yet God says that I'm going to provide a way for you to make contact with the blood, typified right by the Passover. Think about that they're in Egypt, yeah. they're slaves, which you see the metaphor with slaves of sin. And God said, you know what, how I'm going how I'm to deal with you? I'm going to bring a plague upon you all, I mean, upon the, the city. And all those who put blood for those who, who may know in the old testament god's people were in egypt and and they were uh enslaved god heard the cry god sends the prophet moses to go rescue them and the pharaoh of egypt didn't want to let them go yeah. so god sends these plagues one of which being he said i'm, I'm going to uh um allow the with the firstborn the last plague he said i'm gonna send the death angel and the firstborn of every household mm. And just think about that. God is so in tune with his creation that he can discern in a household mm. who was born first. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying we didn't just in life been in contact with families. And then you look at the children mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, that's the oldest. No, that's the youngest. They're just bigger, mm. you know, and 
God says, I know you down to a man. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't discriminate. He said, if you got blood, wait, if you have the blood of that lamb mm-hmm. on your doorpost, on your doorpost. I'm going to pass by. I'm pass by. But from the Pharaoh down to the lowest person, every house is going to get checked. Mm-hmm. And what they said, there was a, a, a crying in Egypt. Mm-hmm. And he sent them out immediately. And that's just the same thing that we don't understand is that that same God is operating now. Same God. And that blood now is Christ. It's Christ. And now it's down to an individual. Mm-hmm. So you can't get baptized for your whole family. Nah. Your grandma can't pray mm-hmm. for you into heaven. Mm-hmm. You have to submit, repent your will to God's. And when you do that, you get baptized in Christ. And what God says is on this day of judgment, mm-hmm. I'm looking for blood. Looking for blood. Well, I'm taking yours. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. You're right. And, and and as a matter of fact, Paul, um, in his letters to the Romans, right, justification by faith. And and, and what the blood, what Paul, I, I think, describes the blood is justification. It means to be declared not guilty. We all are guilty, but we're declared yeah. not guilty yeah. on the basis of the blood, right? Yeah. You all know, obedience. Obedience. And uh and responding to that. And so Paul says that now that I'm in the Lord, right? There's not no condemnation to those who well, are in Christ, Christ, you know, which include those who have made contact with his blood, those who um uh, as Paul had the guarantee, the earnest Ephesians said the earnest, the down payment. Can I can I interject yeah, real yeah, quick? Because on that part, what I think keeps a lot of people from Christ is they see the faults of Christians. Mm. And in that same letter, Paul talks about the internal struggle mm. to do what God would have them to do. I know what's right, but I don't do what's right because it's my flesh in me. Mm. And then he gets to that point. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because they've been washed by the blood, not mm-hmm. because they're perfect, mm. but they're perfected mm. by the one who sacrificed for our sin. And when we start judging God, Jesus, the church by sinners, we'll never see it. Never see it. But when we repent and start looking to his word, then we'll start getting a better glimpse of it and we'll see the change transformation in those who have earnestly accepted the teachings of Christ and who are growing in faith. Mm-hmm. Cause you look at me where I was the beginning of my Christian walk. I'm not the same mm-hmm. 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. I won't be the same. I am today. Mm-hmm. And if somebody is just to look at me in the moment, they might see my shortcomings, mm-hmm. but that's not a good judgment upon christ Mm -hmm. because i'm a man sure sure and 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 what people want to do is allow other fallen humans to keep them from seeing the grace of god who overlooks those things for those who are really trying to live godly yeah amen amen i think it's a beautiful point because that's that's one of the indictments of people of faith today is that uh, well, not just say people against uh, the church and put that in quotation mark just for the sake of the uh, of discussion. They say that, you know, 
hypocrites are there. And, and I think that it go back to what the nature of the church is. There are many personages of the church, one of which that it is a place of sanctification. Uh, Paul talks about the washing. That's an Old Testament metaphor about those who are sick. Yeah. They will put bomb. And so one of the personages of the church or characteristics of the church, right, is that there are those who are, 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 are weak or uh, maybe sick. And what does the Bible say that those Galatians 6, 1 through 2, that those who are strong are those I think about, you know, since I'm in the healthcare field, the, the nurses or the doctors or the whatever, the, the, the technician, they assist those who are in the bed. So that the church yeah. has a, has a, uh, there's a percentage that, that, that there are those who are sick in there. Right. Yeah. The hospital has many different functions to it. Right. There's a rehab place. And then there's a place where the hospital expects you to be, in a certain you know, I like that because at the hospital, all of the patients who are there had to acknowledge that they were sick or somebody had to bring them either through ambulance mm-hmm. or their own or a ride. They had to acknowledge that mm-hmm. there was something wrong with them and come to the place to get help. Yeah, that's it. And so you don't you're not mad at a person who's sick at the hospital because that's where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Same thing with the church. Same thing with the church. We shouldn't be upset with sinners who acknowledge their shortcomings, who come to Christ trying to change, trying to look for help. Mm-hmm. But that's what people do. That's what people do, man. And and, and the irony of that, um, <laughs> the, the irony, I, you know, uh, man, like two thoughts came to my mind. And one of which being that the, that the church, right? That mm-hmm. I often tell people that when you see people who smell like weed in the church, that, that lets me know as a servant, then that's what that's that's an opportunity for me to let them know, right? Yeah. So I said, if a person uh, is intoxicated or if a person got a lot of struggles and they come to the church, that's a that's that's a place for it to be, right? Because yeah. isn't I said, uh, look at Jesus' life when he chose the the 12 apostles, he, he identifies Judas as the one that would betray him, but he never stopped worshiping God. And even in the presence of Judas, he still worshiped. He still served. He still washed his feet. Man, that's, that's the hardest one for me because in that, <laughs> in that context to where Jesus is washing their feet, he knows that they're all going to betray him. Mm-hmm. He knows that Judas is going to go and sell him out. But nobody knows. Mm. He washes everybody's feet the same. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and I know, I know, me as a person, if I was doing something, I'll just say it like this. If I was doing something serving somebody's food in a in a in a, a soup line, mm-hmm. and I knew that person was hating on me. They might get a, a, a <laughs> imp less, you know what I'm saying? They might get the small piece of chicken or <laughs> the cup full of ice and not to, <laughs> it's gonna be a slight difference. Yeah. <laughs> but Jesus, he wasn't petty like that. He wasn't petty like that, man. You're right. Knowing what Judas had in his heart, he still showed him love. Mm. And I that's an example for us. Mm-hmm. Like you say, we recognize somebody comes into church. And they're not quite up to a godly standard. Work with them Mm -hmm. because they just might get there. Mm -hmm. And even if they don't, that's their condemnation. Mm -hmm. 
don't allow it to become yours too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, when I think about that, I think about, um, and like you said, the church, the love of God, you see it, you see this, this salient point expressed throughout scripture. And, and I, in my mind, I can't even fathom it, but for me, one of the um, individuals of the Bible that I identify is Simon Peter. Mm-hmm. And you see, you see uh, Simon, like it's interesting. I, I had a sermon I preached called from Simon to Peter. I still hadn't worked out the kinks yet. You yeah. know, you know yeah. how you, when you read, you know, your, your knowledge grows and you go back and yeah. look at the sermon that you put together, you know, and I was elementary level. Then now I got a little more. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, you know, so you, it's like, but hard for me, it's hard to go back and try to, I had to write a whole new new, new lesson sometime, but I was the point that I like is that you look at Simon's life, and I think this is this is the thing about the, the beautiful thing about the church. Yeah. Jesus being the head of it. Yeah. So look at Simon's life. You if you just do a chron- chronological walk of his life, here's a man that uh you can see rebellion in his life. I, I think that if you look at when he told Jesus, depart from me from a sinful man. He didn't follow the instruction that Jesus gave him all the way, you know, yeah. with the nets. You see Simon uh, being impulsive. You see Simon uh, bet- even betraying his Lord. I don't know him. Yeah. Uh, think about that. I mean, that's, that's that's like we boys. Yeah. You know. I just swore I'd die, die for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now's your opportunity to prove it. Is it, you know? <laughs> And man, um, and, and you know what Jesus says to him, which I think I think this is an aspect of love. Mm-hmm. The Bible says there was two things. I mean, out of, out of the many different characteristics of love, two of love thinks no evil, and love hopes for the best. And everybody, and or three, and they give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And Jesus says something to Peter when you're converted, which seems to me the expectation of love that regardless if Peter never did it, I, I, I believe because Jesus and his foreknowledge knew, but we should have that. Yeah. You know, I believe you're going to be whole. And when you are whole, strengthen your brethren. Yeah. Come, yeah. I mean, this dude um, began to curse and deny the Lord, yeah. you know, and yet Jesus looks through those things. He didn't ignore it. Right, told him what's gonna happen. Told him what happened, and you know he he didn't. And and then look and look what after all Peter struggled with bias throughout his life, but at the end of his life, you look at Peter. Peter became an elder in the church. He became a martyr for the cause of Christ. He wrote two books, and and when you read First and Second Peter, he said, "I must put off this tabernacle," which seems that he had reached a level of peace. Yeah, we're gonna be with the Lord, and so that's the church. Yeah, you know. Peter represents all of us. This man, you know, preaches a sermon, and yet he got some in his life. He's still struggling with some things. You know what I mean? Some Jews from James. <laughs> oh, man, put the rim down. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so, uh, for me though, Femi, this is a this is a point that I've I've challenged myself is that let me get out of God's seat. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, Sometimes there's some things that I, I know, but there's some things like the Bible says we didn't tear us together. Let me get out of God's seat because I, I can't see what God is doing behind the scenes, you know, all the time. And so the church, 
I often tell those who may not be a part of the church, don't ever judge the church off the people. Judge it by its principles. Yeah. Because all of us are striving, should be striving. Yeah. And and sometimes you can't always see that. Like like man, um this this uh this is a real life example. I was uh new to the ministry, right? Mm-hmm. And when I was I, I I was teaching in a place where those who had struggled with drug, uh, substance abuse, right, and um, some of them would relapse, and I I just so happened to go. I said, let me just go, you know, to to the session if they allow me to. And they did, and when I was sitting in the session, you know, they admitted that that um, I I I did everything I can. I went. Six months and 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 you know sober, and I did everything I can, and and they they had proof. And I said, man, how many times did, did I, after I had become aware of that issue, how many times did I call them, yeah. or make myself available for them, or, yeah. or encourage them, or even pray for them? You know what I mean? Yeah. And what they showed me was. Oh, like, oh, but they they actually were striving against the sin, you know, and they 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 succumb, you know, like the Bible says, the spirit is willing, but sometimes I may be in a weakened state. Doesn't excuse it, yeah. It explains it. So, um, I realized, like, wow, you know, and 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 of course they overcame, you know, and they are strong members of the Lord now, and that's the church. You you have been, that's the AA meeting you went to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to go to AA meetings for a while because um, I got mess, I got in trouble at school, uh, but. One of the things that I saw there was that there's a level of transparency with your struggles that I don't know how to bring into the church without the judgment. Mm. Because in the AA meetings, there were some people who were going to those meetings for years and said, I haven't touched a drink, but it's these meetings that help me. Mm. And it, it, it creates a context to where people can be open about their struggles mm. and nobody's judging. Sure. Now I heard some stories. I was like, Whoa, that's crazy. Mm. I'm not there. Mm. But the people had the vulnerability to say, man, this is this is my struggle mm. with this drug, with this alcohol, and I can tell you guys because I know it's safe, mm. and this relationship strengthened me. Mm. And I wish that we could bring that same spirit in. I know that spirit's in the church because it's the spirit of God to be helping, to be open. I wish that people would tap into it, Christians would tap mm. into it, so we could really help our brothers and sisters who are struggling with something because in churches, what has happened a lot is immature Christians have had a bigger voice and a bigger presence than should mm -hmm. in tearing down people who are going through things. Mm -hmm. And it creates a whole atmosphere of I'm going to struggle alone mm -hmm. Because I don't want my business in the street mm. and I don't want nobody looking down on me when I fall. Mm. So a lot of Christians struggle in silence. Yeah. And I think it hurts the church mm -mm. because say you're struggling with alcoholism. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to go tell your brother or sister and then look at you the same. Because mm -hmm. what happens a lot? Mm. 
You're not supposed to be drunk. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. But I am. But I am. Yeah. And then it, it causes sometimes people to look outside of the church for mm, help. Mm. When in reality, the church is supposed to be your biggest source of help mm. because what your church is really in line with is the spirit of God who mm. will help you overcome mm. all of that. That's it. And so when we, as a church, forget who we're really called to be and 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 overlook the fact that it 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 extends past baptism. Mm-hmm. It extends past just church service on Sunday and Wednesday, but it actually incorporates all of those elements with uh, understanding and a deep dive into the Word of God to be transformed and renewed into the image of Christ, mm. so that He lives and not me. Then we create this place to where the body mm. really starts functioning together. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I, I think that that's the night we met, you know, I shared with you that, you know, fornication was a part of my life, like going into high school, into the first part of college, you know? And, uh, and I think as, as, as I look, as I look back through that lens, I think that as young men, our world define manhood by how many women, yeah. You can you can have sex with and it was just part of the culture. And yeah. so but but my father, my dad, we when I got to college, he, he was very proactive in and and normalizing talking about sexuality, talking about biblical sexuality and talking about a lot of those things like, you know, he would you know, when we was young like that, I wanna you know, about that, but what, what he was doing, he was trying to give us a biblical view that sexuality is not bad. You know, it's not perverted and it's not inherently perverted. So we should be able to talk about certain mm-hmm. aspects of it, you know. And it was it was in my collegiate year, first year of college that we began. We, we He started a radio program there in the uh, Golden Triangle area of North Mississippi. And I was more like a producer. I was just behind the scenes taking calls, making sure the show ran good. But it was in, and so because we had to do the show every Saturday and every Monday, we would get together, kind of like what we did prep and stuff like that. And so we would go out to eat, and we just so happened we just be talking about these things, you know, because now I'm a younger, I'm a young man, and so I yeah. guess you know it, it's easy to talk to, you know, I'm a child, you know, it's just something you don't talk to a child about because they're not mature enough to handle it, perhaps. But you know, just talking about that, and then he just like you know, it's like, right, you're a young man. I know you're in college, you know, I know your hormonal things going on, like. He had, you know, we talked about uh, nightly emissions that men have. That's biological, right? Yeah. And and, and the, that sometimes that that heightens the, the desire to, to want to be with a woman, and to talk about okay, there's nothing wrong to admit that you're a man. You're supposed to have, you know. So we yeah. deconstructing societal taboos uh, taboos about sexuality, and now I'm, I'm talking to my dad about it. I'm like, oh man, you know, I feel bad about that. You know, talking about different things, and and then. Um, and, and he got me to see that you know Zachariah, you know, marriage is beautiful. Yeah, and 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 the, and the, he, he helped me to really see what marriage could be if I did it the the biblical way, right? Yeah. And for some reason, I just saw it, and I said, "Yeah, I I, I want that," you know. And so here, and you know, it took a minute to kind of to to fully repent of that, but what I noticed. Is that, you know, I, I got to a point where I just made it in my mind, you know, but it was sanctification, got, talking with dad, reading my word, going to a, 
a sound church, preaching the word of God, preaching what God requires, preaching against sin, preaching about God's grace, his love. And to the point that, you know, as I, as I grew and got older, I made a decision, you know, am I, am I thinking I'm, I want to walk with the Lord in, in complete harmony as I, as I know how to. And so, but I realized that that was the church. Like here's a, here's a young man. Right. And, and of course, I don't think dad realized at the time, you know, he just been a father. Yeah. And which father should do. But there's elements of discipleship, right? You got father, son, you got brother to brother, sister to sister. Yeah. You got different elements of, of discipleship or different dynamics, I should I say. And, and I'm like, wow. And here I am. I'm 36, you know. Um, and I'm like, wow. I, and I, I got uh, young men that I consider to be my sons. They're not biological sons, but. I believe I tell them all the time, you know, and and that I, I want them to to know that I don't want you to be out here uh, doing sinful things. I want you to practice delayed gratification through the Spirit of God and and, and self control. I want them to you know commit themselves to one woman. And where does that come from? The Bible. The Bible. Yeah. And and I told them like, and I'm honest enough to admit, even at thirty six. There are days where there's civil war, right? You know, uh, after I tell people sometimes the, the 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 spirit can be renewed, but the body remembers, and that's why we should teach young men that um you shouldn't be exposed to certain things because sometimes young men and women, yeah, young men and women, you're right, you're yeah. right, you're right, young men and women, you know, that you shouldn't be exposed to certain things, you know, and and because that there's sometimes that there's a there's a reaping and sowing. There's that um. Especially when we talk about sexuality, there's a switch that once it gets flipped on, you can't flip it off. Yeah. And and in this society, there's a lot of things that are are turning us against scriptural teachings mm-hmm. and, and leaning people more towards cultural acceptance. So mm. it'll have more provocative dressing, you'll have sexually explicit content on TV and now it's getting normalized for younger mm-hmm. people and now you have a message of sexual liberation that is even given to kids before they even know how to say their ABCs through the programming and a lot of this stuff slaps in the face of what Christianity teaches and if we're not strong we'll allow our next generation to just be flooded with those images, those teachings before we even get a chance to teach them scripture. And I think that's one of the aims of this podcast Mm -hmm. is to give some type of pushback against what might not be quite godly and give a context to where we could talk about it. People could think about it and, come to a better understanding at least challenge the views you know Mm -hmm. because as we talk about what we experienced in church coming up a lot of that stuff was counter cultural Mm -hmm. you know and a lot of what we've been saying is counter the religious world you know Mm -hmm. churchdom in america and Mm -hmm. you even see now that in some denominations in even in church of christ people are not even as concerned with what god says and it's very challenging to 
to live a Christian life, you know, because you don't have as many encouragements as you might have in one day. Mm -hmm. And so when you say, I'm going to do what the Bible says, I'm going to do what God says, people kind of, are you a Jesus freak? Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) it's nothing wrong with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And if not, then then what am I really being influenced by? Yeah. And so for sure, I think it's important that the church is a place that fully embodies and exemplifies what God's teaching us. Because if not, then we'll be harboring up that same spirit that Adam and Eve did. Mm -hmm. God said no, but it's desirable. Mm. Let me try it. Yeah. And we will not understand what we really missed out on. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So you, you spoke about you preach. Um, explain to the to the people a little bit your journey on you becoming a preacher. I not, I'll break down mine after you mm-hmm. get yours. But um, yeah, how, how did you get to that point? Because it's, uh, I think, it's not the step that a lot of people take when they come to church. Mm. The, the, a lot of people, they just don't have the spiritual assurity about themselves to, to, to go out and preach. But, but how did you get there? Yeah, man, that's, that's a great question. I think uh, it was a combination of things. Uh, my grandfather uh, was a preacher. You know, I think he uh, preached in the Baptist church and, Renetti could sing and he had great delivery and and sometimes we would go to church with him and I would just sit in in amazement at the way in which he could deliver the text and I and I would see Granetti read the Bible to three or four in the morning we we would we would go down in the summertime where he was and and so I, so my first I saw I saw my grandfather read the text I mean read the Bible and talk about the Bible and I saw him every Sunday we would gather together as a family and pray. Um, and then pray, we will often pray often. So then I would see my dad read the word and I, I would see my dad go out in the community. Um, and we had some circumstances to where growing up, you know, we would be uh, with grandma, you know, dad and mama and things like that. So, uh, so grew up in a, in an environment where the Bible was respected. God was uh, lifted up and then, we moved uh, back to Starkville, Mississippi, and we we started attending the uh, Sturgis Church of Christ. And even then, I still had no. I was very introverted, still very introverted, you know. But definitely wasn't going to get up in for for an audience, yeah, you know. And uh, and so, but um, I started reading. Daddy, I got I started reading early, so I started reading the Bible, and I was just amazed at what I was reading and. And I was amazed at the preaching that was coming from the pulpit. And then, uh, you know, decided to become a Christian. And, and upon becoming a Christian, you know, uh, being born again through the word and spirit, you know, believing, confessing, repenting, being baptized into the Lord. I uh, I was in college. I mean, I got baptized before college. and But it was during my collegiate days that uh, I just started reading the Bible. I just, I just got serious about reading the word. And it was upon reading the word as aggressively as I did in college yeah. that that I just decided I just wanted to share it with people, right? And then there's a there's a sense of 
uh, like Manassas, the songwriter said, cleaning up what you messed up, right? So I was like, well, I know I hadn't always lived the best life before my peers. So I said, well, I just really just want to share with them, you know, the word of God. And and so it started off with just me just sharing the word with them, mm-hmm. maybe like walking to class and just asking them, hey, man, let's read the Bible together. Several of my peers, we would just read the word. Yeah. And then upon reading the word and sharing the word, it, it started to grow in, inside of you to now, you know, you extended invitations and then um, teaching Sunday school or class, right? And then I'm start, I'm reading more and more I'm in the library. I'm not even doing my engineering work. <laughs> so you look at my GPA, you you see a dip. Yeah. I, like a 4.0, 3.8, and it went, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but because I was in, in the library yeah. reading the sacred text. Yeah. And then it, it and but I think that the fuel really was trying to, um, you know, once I, I fully realized my state and in the state of, of God, I mean, the world and God and how, you know, I stand with that outside of Jesus, you know, I just want to share it with people, you know, and I want to yeah. serve people. And then and I get to college. Right. Um, a preacher moves. So we, we, we as the men taking turns. And then I, I graduate, and then I say, I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm going to the big city. I'm going to Atlanta. I'm going to get me a wife. We're going to enjoy each other. We're going to have some cheering, some children. Yeah. yeah. And we're going. I still want to serve in the church, but not not in the capacity of preaching. Yeah. Yeah. I move. The recession hit us hard in the year of our Lord. You know, 2008 and 10, whatever. With the housing recession, the housing recession, jobs couldn't get in. You know, I'm like, so I moved to um, a small town, northeast Mississippi. I'm looking for a church home. I, I run into uh, this beautiful sister, uh, sister Jenny Sukrizard. They didn't have a preacher at, at the congregation she attended uh, on the, uh, I think it was on the east side of town. And boom, with a sunflower church of Christ, she just asked me, that, "Would I help them?" I'm like, "Yeah, I taught teaching class, and, you know, several Wednesdays, several Sundays, and then the preacher didn't show up, and he's like, can you preach for us?'" Yeah, I like, I try. Yeah, so I preached. I think the, the way of the cross leads home. After I preached, they asked me, "Would I consider working?" I said, "Yeah, I do that," and I just said, "It's gonna be like." So the preacher just stopped coming. Uh, well, I think I think that uh, he ended up moving away. Uh, the preacher at the end, at the current, he ended up moving away, so they were without the preacher. Okay, and um, so they, so they was just uh, uh, trying to find, trying to uh, find. I think the brothers that would do the preaching, some of them they 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 were uh, truck drivers or they worked on the on the first shift, and so they was trying to figure out. So they was moving the service back at different times and trying to figure out. So they, so they, they feel like church needs stability, right? So they asked me, and so I. Um, so I started working with them, and, and 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 it was in that capacity. I said I'm gonna devote myself. Yeah. To it, I I didn't know a lot about preaching. I I mean I knew how to re- get a sermon together, but as I look back, I really didn't know a whole lot. But yeah. I I just said I'm gonna commit myself to to what I believe God will expect of a preacher. Yeah. Reading the Bible, serving the way I can, and and I just said God, He, you know, He'll lead me in that way, and. It was in that commitment that he he grew you and matured you. Matured you to the point that you know, and I'm I'm gonna say this and like really, man, preaching is salvation for me. Every time I'm in the lowest pit that I'm in my life, or every time, I'm be honest with you, 
there been many times I said, man, I'm just, I'm good. I'm good, B. You know, uh, as, as we say, those who ride the Chevy, I'm good, man. You know, good, Drew. You know, we, we, I call my friends, we just say, we good, B. That's a generic term for friends. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hell good, dog. And many times, I'm like, I'm dumb. You know, I'm just, I just want to just serve. And and I, and sometimes it's just your own insecurity, man. I'm not, I'm not. This text didn't come out good, man. I can't preach. You just sometimes we hard on ourselves, we critique ourselves, right? Because we really, I think yeah. it's a, you just want to be the best you can be. I, I think that that's a good place to be as a preacher yeah. because I think once we become arrogant and we, yeah, that was a good sermon. I did, I, <laughs> yeah, nah. You start yeah. you're preaching for yourself now. Yeah, for for yourself. But when you really understand the severity of God's word and the depth of it, mm-hmm. you know that we're just man. We're, we're, we're poor conduits to represent it to the people mm. because we're struggling with our lives and words are the worst form of communication because there's no telling if you understand the word as I'm saying it, mm-hmm. you know, what meaning do you put with it? Mm-hmm. What context do you come from? And the structure that I present these words in is that offensive to you because it sounds low class or I'm speaking down to you. Mm-hmm. And so words, are not the best form of communication, but it's the foolishness of preaching that God saves people. And when we recognize that, man, I might, I could have probably did better. I mm-hmm. wish I would have said this. I forgot. Mm-hmm. I left this out in my sermon. And we have that humility to know that I could have did just a little bit better with that sermon. Mm-hmm. Then that lets us know that it's not us. It's God. It's God. Mm-hmm. But when you get in there, yeah, you see how I do. <laughs> My rhetoric skills just showed and <laughs> the theology <laughs> was impeccable and uh you said everybody loved it and then I think you start preaching for the wrong reason. Yeah, you're right, man. And and I'm a I'm a this be my last point because I, I definitely wanna your journey today. It's something, man, and I developed and and like you said, the cross of Jesus. Chasing the cross, you know, and committing myself to just being a servant. Yeah. And that is, as I tell the younger preacher, I'm telling the young preacher, and like I say, salvation for me, right? Because I, you know, I, I, I and I, I have stepped down. I'm not in a, I'm not a pulpitarian right now. Yeah. yeah. But I, I say, well, I'm just gonna take a break. And then even in my secular career, right, right now, I'm at, the, I'm at a point where I have a demanding job but even in that demand I still make time I carve out time to study the book read the word and then people call me and I say okay I'm gonna devote myself to this you know just like the podcast right yeah you, you, we, you, I, I, we, we creating time I'm pretty sure we've had a t- even right now we've had a life to happen, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying <laughs> but yeah we, 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 we were devoting time and, and the point I made I said I used to write sermons on paper. Yeah. And I said, that's performing. If 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 I haven't written them on my heart. Yeah. I said, no, I want to write them on my heart. Yeah. And and let it be organic inside out. Yeah. Then that's preaching. Yeah. Once I write God's word on my heart, that's conviction. Yeah. And I'm and I'm, I'm preaching to me. Yeah. That I'm just trying to I'm trying to live my life according to God's word. And as I live it organically, it flows and then I'm not performing. Yeah, because anybody can write something on paper, 
But uh, is it on my heart? Yeah, I'm, 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 I want to say something yes, on sir. there real quick about I'm preaching to me. Yes, sir. Uh, um, for those that don't know, I'm pretty sure a lot of people as they view this. I used to preach at a small church in Earl. And I'm not going to say no names, but we had somebody who was coming that we was uh, recently converted. Had struggles in life. So I wrote a sermon to that person. They didn't come that t- the week. <laughs> <laughs> and from then on, I said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Because I, 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 that wasn't the practice of mine. Sure. But it was a, a sermon for a specific day. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this would be good for that person. Mm-hmm. But from then on, I said, you know what? I'm going to write sermons primarily to speak to me first. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know who's going to be there. Mm-hmm. And if we're just being honest, being transparent, I'm not the the most, I'm not the best public speaker because I don't want to make my public speaking the thing that people see. I want to focus on my preaching. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I purposely don't try to employ all the rhetorical tactics to enhance myself and to come off as polished as maybe I could because what I want to do is allow room for the word mm-hmm. and not, and take away from me because as a preacher, we know that enough attention is on us already because we're the only one there speaking. Mm-hmm. We're up in front of everybody. So enough attention's on me. Let me put as much as I can on, on the word. Let me say what God said and let God's word act. Because mm-hmm. I've noticed sometimes in preaching and teaching, you can use an example and you get to talking to people afterwards and the example is the only thing they remember. Mm-hmm. You can tell like an antidotal story or a joke and that's all people walk away with. And then the word of God got so diminished that they don't even know what you was preaching about. Mm. So I say, you know, let me, uh, I want to preach the the word and highlight that. But what I did do, learn from that was, like you said, I'm preaching to me. Mm -hmm. And by extension, everybody else, because we're all people and the human experience is, it's not unique to me. My circumstances are, Mm -hmm. but we've all had pain. Mm -hmm. We've all had joy. Mm -hmm. We've all had anger. We've all had disappointment. We've all had pleasure. We've all had these different feelings that are universal to us all. Mm-hmm. And there's something about scripture that we can still, if you go back to Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. we can still relate to that. Mm-hmm. So if I can just teach God's word, mm-hmm. he left it in here for a reason. Yeah. Then I should be able to reach somebody who's here listening for God's word. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're coming to hear me talk, uh, you're probably missing the point. You know, and if you want to talk to me that bad, we could go get a cup of coffee and we can hey, he, ha, ha mm-hmm. later and talk about whatever. Mm-hmm. But if we're preaching, then let, let me focus on what God said and let me preach to myself. Because if I preach to myself, then I'm going to try to say something that strengthens me. Because one of the benefits that I've noticed in preaching and teaching, 
when I was doing it on a continual basis and hopefully God will put me back in that, that aspect, but our church closed. So I'm not, but one of the benefits that I saw was that through it all, I was forced to go back to scripture mm-hmm. because as a preacher, the way that I came into it was I preached the word of God. Mm-hmm. I come from a text and I try to expository preach exegete text. And so I'm not coming with, I don't preach topically, mm. you know what I'm saying? So, you know, and, and some who do, I, that that's your style. But for me, it's let me read a passage and where I, if I'm going through a book and I say I'm going through, right now I got Acts 2 open. Okay, let me see a section in Acts 2 that would really speak to me. And it might be something different that everybody hasn't, touched upon so as i'm looking in my bible it might be let me look at peter's usage of psalms in his in his sermon at uh, on pentecost so i'm looking at acts 2 25 and acts 2 31 acts 2 34 he utilizes scriptures from psalms in there so what what can i that's interesting to me what Mm -hmm. what what is that saying and why does he utilize those verses and he's talking about david in the relationship and so i do a sermon on that Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying but what does that say to me as somebody who believes god and seeing and and that's where i'm gonna start because sometimes it's easy to pick on somebody else Mm -hmm. sometimes it's easy to I'm going to tell you why homosexuality is wrong. Yeah, I could beat up on them because I'm not gay. Mm-hmm. But if I tell you, man, why is it wrong to lust after women? Then I got to let me handle that gently because I'm a man that likes women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and <laughs> I'm going to step on my own toes and I, <laughs> I don't want to break them. <laughs> <laughs> so let me approach this with a little bit of humility and love. Mm-hmm. Because it's something that I have to work through or I've worked through. And I know if I did, then other people have. And I could just talk about it in relationships to the opposite sex. Because if I just so focus on speaking about women, then then the woman is like, I don't have that issue. Mm -hmm. I'm not looking at a woman. Mm -hmm. But if I say, you know what, there's this desires in us that, you know what I'm saying, scripture talks to us about. And this is the downfall of it this is how we can 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 help each other then that's preaching yeah yeah what does true. what does god say about it so yeah. you, i just want to come to my mind a woman caught in adultery mm. you know what i'm saying mm. and and you, you find yourself in a sticky situation to where you fulfill the desires of the flesh and it don't always turn out like you want it yeah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. then what's Jesus' response? Send no more. Send no more, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. don't condemn each other. But the preaching through the, especially in the bad times of my life, and teaching Bible class, because I was doing both at the same time, it forced me to go to scripture. Yeah. Because, you know, just being honest, sometimes you have lulls in your spirituality mm-hmm. to where you're like, man, I ain't prayed all week. Mm-hmm. And then if you're not preaching, Man, I ain't read my Bible in a while. Mm-hmm. 
And I've just been going through the motions and I've had to work. I had to pick up my kids. I had to do this. And I might have, I, I didn't miss church. Mm-hmm. But I, outside of that context of those hour, two, three hours that was dedicated to, mm. to worship, man, I didn't do any spiritual things that would build me up. Mm. But as a preacher, I was like, man, I got I to gotta preach on Sunday. I need to start preparing. <laughs> yeah. Sunday when church is over, okay, if I'm if I'm going just through the text, okay, I read that, okay, this is about where I'm going to be at. Okay, let me think about this sermon and where I left at. And so I could connect it to next week's sermon and Bible class. Mm-hmm. And then, okay, I'm going to start Monday. I'm going to just look at the text and I'm, you know, just mull over some things in my mind and start, you know, saying, doing some studying on it. You know, I like read some commentaries, go get some articles, get mm-hmm. some, just let me see what else other people are saying because I can't trust myself. Because mm-hmm. if I just say what I see, I might be missing something or I might just be putting something in there that I don't want to see. So let me, I'm not saying that they all right, mm-hmm. but it gives me a, a avenue to see kind of the breadth of what this is saying, mm. you know? Yeah. And so let me, let me put that in my mind. Mm. Sure. And then when, it, when I, as I as I contemplate that, let me throw it away. Let me go back to the text and read before it, after it. If I know there's any connecting points in scripture, just from my own knowledge, and let me read that, and then so I can see scripture, kind of afresh. But it's also regulating my thoughts, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's helping me. Mm-hmm. And as life happens, you know, you're like, oh man, this happened. But I still got to study. Mm-hmm. I can't not study because I got to go up there and preach on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And they're expecting me to say something from God's word to edify, to uplift, to teach, to even rebuke some of the sin. Mm-hmm. And as a preacher, I can't take that lightly. Yeah. So it don't matter what happens. Mm-hmm. If, 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 I, if I get sick. So what? Mm-hmm. And and a, a thing that I I just make it public, but I made a a, a promise to God. I'm never gonna ask anybody to preach. Mm-hmm. But if somebody asks me to preach, I'm never gonna turn it down. Mm. Now, mind you, somebody, hey man, could you come preach in New York tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> right. But you know, what I'm saying right. something reasonable. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't care if it's last minute. Mm-hmm. I've been called to preach. Hey, I need you to preach. You got a sermon for me mm. in two hours. Yeah. Yeah, I got you. Mm-hmm. I got you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's good. You mm-hmm. know, because I feel that this responsibility that I've took on, mm-hmm. that I, I didn't have to answer the call. Mm-hmm. I feel that I should have, but I didn't have to. Mm. And being that I did, I can't take it lightly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you mentioned that. How, how did you answer the call? Uh, how did you transition into the church? You know, we talked about that. And then how did, how did Femi go from being in the church to being called into the ministry? Well, it, it started, like I said, when I uh, got serious about getting back in the church. I was about, uh, what, 28, 29. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, what do I want to study? That's uh, meaningful. So I, 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 I said, I want to study the Bible. Because mm-hmm. I heard a preacher preach a sermon, 
and he was talking about the Sea of Galilee. And he was saying, on the Sea of Galilee, the elevation of it, the all the winds come and it, it rises up waves and it makes it a violent during some of the storms. I'm like, man, I want to know the Bible like that. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me from like when I was a teenager. So I had my teenagers, my mom raised me in the church. So as a teenager, I'm like, man, I want to know the Bible like that. But then I went wayward, did life. Mm-hmm. And then I had the incidents and I said, I want to make, you know what I'm saying? Me killing my child, mm-hmm. you know, worthwhile mm. you know i don't want to take that lightly and so i said i want i want to study the bible i didn't I had no man i didn't want to be no preacher mm-hmm. i just want to i didn't want to go to hell because i said i don't want nobody to send me to hell mm-hmm. i could read the bible for myself and that's was my trying to read myself out of the church mm-hmm. to bear myself deeper in but i said okay let me read scripture for myself so i could get an understanding because i know that some people well-intentioned leads you down the wrong road, mm-hmm. you know? So I said, well, no, no, I can read for myself. Mm-hmm. So I started doing that. And then I went to a Bible college and went to Lipscomb and funny story. You know how I got there? I just Googled church of Christ schools. And that was the first one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oakland, California. I didn't know nothing about nothing. Just Google Church of Christ Schools, Lipscomb. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me try to get there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and they accepted me, you know, and I was 30 at the time. Just imagine, 30-year-old, uh, what they had me at, um, maybe junior, mm-hmm. sophomore. You know, 30-year-old going to, I could say it, I'm black from the hood, mm-hmm. Oakland, California. Mm-hmm. Going to Lily White Privilege Lipscomb University. Don't know nothing about nothing. Mm. When I got there, I didn't even have a place to stay. Mm. But I had got accepted into the school. And, you know, I, I thought coming from California, Berkeley was the big university bias. So I was like, oh, it's going to be like UC Berkeley. You ever been to Berkeley? No, Berkeley's a nice campus. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> and, and right down next to Berkeley is just the uh, University Ave to where it's it's a lot of activity. Okay. So I'm, in my mind, just dumb. It's <laughs> just like, okay, this is what college is like. Yeah. You know, you see the movies, college. I get to Lipscomb. Man, it's it's a nice campus. Yeah. But it's in the middle of a, like, a affluent a neighborhood. Okay. And... It's not as big as Berkeley, so it's like, boom, boom. I'm like, oh, this is it? (laughs) (laughs) Already. And then, so I got to college. I didn't have a place to stay. I came out from Oakland (laughs) to Nashville with my bags and faith. Mm. And then, so I talked to the person that was over uh, dorms. I was like, yeah, I need a dorm. I'm not going to say he was racist because I'd have my apprehensions too of somebody from a total different culture. Mm-hmm. 30 years old. <laughs> 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 you know what I'm saying? So I can't be mad at him. He's like, uh, yeah, you, you kind of old. <laughs> <laughs> so my first uh, night there, I, st- I slept in the student center. Mm. 
And I was, man, I'm from the hood. I guess this is where I'm going to sleep. I'm going to thug it out. Because I'm in Nashville. I don't know nobody. You yeah, know? Yeah. The, I knew one family by extension of the church I was at, and they let me stay there for, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying, there too. But mm-hmm. I was like, man, I'm going to just thug it out. And so uh, we worked it out to where he talked to the preacher back home, and they said, okay, uh, we'll find it. We, we got a place for you. Mm-hmm. And then I just uh, stayed there. And, and through that process, I was still was, was growing in faith because I wasn't where I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And that's where uh, I could say it, but I was still smoking a lot of weed back then. Mm-hmm. And then my last year, you know, I was doing a little bit of work with the uh, Granny White Church of Christ. But my last year, I had got caught with weed in my room. And they said I had to go um, to uh, uh, AA meetings, mm-hmm. you know. And and it was that moment to where I was like, do I really want to preach? And if I'm going to preach, am I going to be a preacher that lives with secrets or am I going to be a preacher that lives with a transparency about myself to where if you find out whatever I'm doing, I have nothing to hide about it. And Mm -hmm. I said, that's the type of preacher I want to be, you know, and you know, short of disclosing what happens between you and your wife and you know, saying all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to have to live my life looking over my shoulder hiding because you know i I did all of that you Mm -hmm. know just scared to get pulled over because you could go to jail and all that other time having sneak stuff and so i said you know what i want to i i really want to give this a shot Mm -hmm. you know and so i said and still wasn't preaching at that point i just had studied the bible and people was was kind of pushing me towards it Mm -hmm. you know you you go back home and Oh, you studying the Bible? Are you going to be a preacher? I guess. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. I think that that was God trying to pull me closer to it. But what happened during that process, as I was reading it, I was like, man, for myself, mm-hmm. I said, I can't read it and not preach it because I know myself. I'm susceptible to not fully live it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I said, I, I, I got to preach this. Because something in there is calling me to it, but I'm more of an introvert, Mm -hmm. which people don't understand. And so I just, you know, and I like study, and I think that's that's part of uh, my my gift is I go and I I could do a whole bunch of study, and I like to get into the weeds of it. Mm -hmm. But um, opportunities start opening up for me to be a presenter of God's word, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And even in the, um, e- even in me getting caught with the weed and all of the turmoil that I went through with that, it didn't hinder God from using me. Mm. And then, so I um, decided to take my studies further because the opportunity was presented to learn, um, get a master's. And so I went and got, my MDiv, that's how I wound up in Memphis mm. at Harden. Mm-hmm. And so I got that. And at the end of that, I started preaching out in um, Earl. Mm. And so now I do work with um, Midtown Church of Christ with uh, Dr. Red. Mm. And so it's just, 
opportunities opened up that like I I didn't know nobody down south. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm a I didn't know nobody down south before mm-hmm. I came out here. Mm-hmm. And now opportunities presented themselves and and all people know me as is a preacher. Mm-hmm. But I go back home, all people know me as is famous. Mm-hmm. You know, I one time I went home and this one dude said, man, oh man, I thought you was in jail. You know what I'm saying? That's just <laughs> <laughs> the context I come from. You right, know what right. I'm saying? <laughs> 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 it don't even imagine somebody mind that you went off to do better. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And mm. so it's just uh it's just a blessing to get to this point. And I think that that was because what I said was I'm going to take God at his word. Mm. And even in my shortcomings, I relied on God's methodology of doing things. And he, he has carried me through. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've learned that the benefit of preaching, like I said, was that it forces me to get back into his word on a consistent basis. But I also learned that with the stuff that happens in life, if, Cause you know it as a preacher, you go through a whole, you go through a lot of texts. Mm-hmm. You go, and most of the stuff that you read, you don't preach. Mm-hmm. Most of the lessons that you come across, you're like, oh man, that's a good sermon. Mm-hmm. But by the time you go preach, you got something else. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the lessons that I've learned, it has helped me to allow people the grace they need mm-hmm. to grow and not condemn them, even when they did wrong against me. Mm-hmm. And as Somebody before I preached never was violent and all that. I would just cut somebody off. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But now I have a different demeanor. Like I, I'd rather forgive you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And if you can move on, I can move on. And I'm, I'm not even mad at you. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not perfect. And there's still growth that needs to happen in that area. But preaching it just shows me that you look at what God's people go through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They went through a whole lot, yeah. and and a lot of it was not self-inflicted to the degree that I have. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I just think of Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. Man, he's just trying to tell these people God's word, and they don't believe him. Mm. You know, I've, I I haven't been a preacher to that degree. Mm. You know, I, I ain't gone against no political leaders and said, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> No, my, my mine has just been limited to the context of congregations mm. and trying to help people and they've been encouraged by the word and I think that else also confirmed it to me. Mm. Because people, man, you know what I'm saying, that's a good sermon. Thank mm. you. I appreciate your words and that that helps. Now I've also had people come in and hate. Like I have one dude <laughs> at a <the> church. <laughs> 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 Say that wasn't a good sermon. <laughs> they hate, huh? Yeah, which which is okay with me yeah. because I'm not preaching for them, I'm preaching for God. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. Yeah. No doubt. And so it's it's a blessing though. Mm-hmm. And I also think it's a privilege and and I think we as a people now, I'm just saying just in general, I think we as a people put too much too much on the preacher mm-hmm. because there's a lot of men. I believe if they humbled themselves and stopped looking at their ability and open their mind to the possibility of what God's spirit can do in them. Mm-hmm. If they just 
went out on faith and just learned the Bible a little bit more. Mm -hmm. They would make great presenters of God's word because they could speak from a context to how God helped them. Mm -hmm. But what we have done is we've made this office of preaching something other when I think it's just more so those who recognize that, man, I don't want to preach, but God wants me to. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to do what I want. I'm going to try to live up to what God wants me to. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to present this. But as I do this, this is where I think some preachers get in trouble at. I'm going to separate, divorce myself from my own flaws. Because what some men do is they utilize this office that has a great responsibility, but also in our modern day and age gets a lot of, it, it gets a lot of prestige. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? They utilize that and they mismanage it. Mm. So what they, they start making merchandise of the church mm. and they start, what can I get from the church? Mm. They start, reveling in their debauchery mm -hmm. almost like the sons of eli mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. no i'm gonna take the meat up out of the uh offering before the fat burn off so i could get the bigger piece mm. no i'm gonna sleep with these women here because hey i got all this time on my hand and <laughs> i need to eat this meat with somebody you know <laughs> 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 Pops, be quiet. Eli fat. Mm -hmm. He eating some of it too. He's benefiting from it. Mm -hmm. And people are mismanaging this this prestigious servant position to where God utilizes us to speak for him mm. because they haven't grown from deep diving in the word. Mm. And so some preachers get lazy. Yeah. So they preach. This now this blew my mind. Mm -hmm. I would have never thought this would happen. Mm -hmm. But when I was at a uh, school, they said there's a problem with plagiarism. Like people steal other people's sermons, mm. but it does happen. Mm. You know, and I know I've heard it before. Some people don't even prepare before they get in the pulpit. I, I'm I'm not sure if you heard a preacher be like, the spirit just hit me and I got a message. <laughs> Yeah, you can tell. Too, yeah, you like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's not very coherent. Yeah. You coming up with this on the fly? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and mm -hmm. they don't take they don't take this responsibility serious. So let me just we, when, and when you define plagiarism, you're saying that this is somebody in the, in the context of what we're saying. You know, you're saying this is this is somebody who didn't spend time with the word. They didn't prepare the text. They just they got a sermon offline. Yes, because you know I'm pretty sure you know I, like I got sermons I wrote up I write a manuscript sometimes sometimes I don't depending on, depending on the subject they get a, they get a manuscript or get something and they get up and orate it. Man, yeah. I heard that it was so bad that somebody was on a traveling circuit. He was taught to come and preach, teach for a class at a church, mm -hmm. and what he had done was he had memorized somebody else's book and presented 
that person's story in that book as his life. Mm. But somebody in the audience had read that book and then they let the, the leadership know. Mm. <laughs> like people like plagiarism, mm. like mm. word for word. Like I'm not, and, and it blew my mind because I'm like, I guess from the culture I come from and just a little insight, man, I, at one point I rapped. Mm-hmm. So, and this was in the nineties when it was big to, you got to be original, you know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> Can't buy nobody's style. Know, yeah. <laughs> so your pig game was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, I never, never would copy somebody else's sermon. Mm-hmm. But when it was exposed to me that that's what happened, then I said, you know, go online and you'll start, you'll start manuscripts of all kinds of sermons. And I'm like, oh, mm. that's real. Yeah, yeah. And nobody will know because just, just play like, just say you said, you know what, I'm going to go find a church to preach at and you guys give me a salary and this will be my full-time job. Monday, I'm going to just go online. What what I want to preach about? Mm. A sermon on love. <laughs> and I could just go through a whole bunch of manuscripts right. on love. And my sermon's done. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so let me ask you this. Um, that's a very good point, if you think. And perhaps I'm pretty sure we have many shows about our approach to preaching and like that. But how how should you mention about commentaries and, and I utilize different things? And 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 I think we would agree there's a difference between uh, uh, tools, mm-hmm. and so knowing that there are uh, innumerable amount of manuscripts out there, there are commentaries. How should the preacher utilize these tools? Let's say I get a manuscript and I I see a lesson. How you think a, a preacher was an effective way instead of me just reading it or, or, or uh, preaching as if I've because there's really arrogance because I didn't right. study it because it yeah. may be it may be error yeah. in the manuscript right and so I haven't taken the time out to even evaluate that and I'm just orating that over 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 God's people right you know which is a responsibility so knowing that that's the case how would you from your vantage point what's an effective way to use uh, manuscripts or extra biblical uh, material or tools I, I would say. What I what I u- generally use is, I come from a more academic approach. So what mm-hmm. I generally use is uh, uh, commentaries that are are more um, maybe theological commentaries. So they might just give insight onto. I, I don't use a lot of preaching commentaries, mm-hmm. so I don't use commentaries to where they have this and it, almost like a sermon. Somebody say, okay. okay Acts 2 and this is no I use a commentary that highlights this is where this is being pulled from in scripture Mm -hmm. historically this is what happened and these are some of the um, things and I always get now since my time is limited I I try to at least read 3, 4, 5 you know what I'm saying within Mm -hmm. there and then maybe I might get a, a, a few articles on that passage just so I can see what other people are saying that might give me insight into it. Mm -hmm. But I always read it for myself because I know that a lot of what's written is not from a church of Christ standpoint, Mm -hmm. but some of it might be helpful in, because I learned 
Greek and Hebrew, but some of it might be helpful in showing, okay, this is the word that's used and these are the other nuances to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is uh, the context historically of what was happening in that scripture. You know what I'm saying? And this is maybe something in the text that, you know, might be going on and they're wrong sometimes. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I don't take it as gospel, mm -hmm. but I, I give it, use it as, as something as to give me a little bit of, uh, insight into, into the word. Mm -hmm. And so this is just a, a sermon. On. No, but okay. No, it, that, that's, that's not nothing there, but, um, I use it to, to give me, so I, I, I take one off the top of my head in, Genesis, there is this word generations, mm -hmm. same word that uh, Matthew uses, generations, but in the Greek, it's, I mean, in the Hebrew, it's toldot, mm -hmm. and that toldot is given 10 times, and each one, it tells, these are the generations of, so it starts off, I want to say Genesis 2, these are the generations of the earth, and then it goes, so I want to say generations of um. Adam, generations of Seth, you know, and it and each one of it, it's narrowing down creation to get to the focus of these are the generations of I want to say um, Jacob, yeah, these are generations of Jacob, I believe. I, I haven't looked at it in a while, but what it does is it narrows down this focus of creation to get to the story that the rest of Bible is going to look at. Mm. And now if I'm just reading, I've read my Bible a whole lot and I never paid attention to it, but having somebody who studied Greek and who maybe had a hypersensitive attention to that word throughout the Bible, mm -hmm. you're like, oh, okay, there might be something there, mm -hmm. you know, because it's used generations and then generations that same thing is picked up in Matthew to where it talks about the generations and it gets down to the church mm -hmm. through Jesus Christ. And so it's, it's other things in there and we're benefited from it because you think of John, the seven you know what I'm saying? The seven uh, signs in John. You know, mm -hmm. um, without somebody giving a keen eye to it, mm -hmm. you look over it. Mm -hmm. How long were you going to church before somebody pointed out that Luke wrote Acts and Luke? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. it was it's through somebody through academia pointed that up, and I'm not discrediting the preachers that preached to me in my younger days. But nobody had really just made that connection. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, okay, that's that's from a study of extra biblical study. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And I and I got got some of that in um school. The household codes that are are in um like Ephesians and Colossians and it talks about servants obey your masters and fathers and wives and children you know the household calls those mm. were a standard practice of ethical living that was taught in different aspects of uh some of the uh philosophies in Rome at the time mm -hmm. you know just highlights of stuff like that mm -hmm. to where you start thinking about oh okay there's other connections to the outside world and there's even some 
people make to where Paul is using rhetoric as he writes these letters. Mm -hmm. And as you start seeing that, it helps you to, oh, this is the flow of his argument, Mm -hmm. you know, that maybe I wouldn't have got just in my naive understanding. Because when you think of it, everybody in every field has benefited from somebody else's input and insight into it. Mm -hmm. And we would be very arrogant to say that I can come and read scripture and negate thousands of years of research, thousands of years of thought. And I have the answer. Mm. I might be wrong. Mm. So let me, you know what I'm saying? See what else they might be wrong. Yeah. But let me see what else says and align my understanding up with what I read and what more importantly, what it says throughout scripture. And then that'll give me a better understanding. And I'll leave on this one. When you look at revelation mm-hmm. through my study, I found, Oh man, yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll take a quick pause. Yeah. Yeah. That one or that one, it don't matter. And, and man, we had two. You want to wrap it up pretty soon? Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where was we at? No, just um, basically just putting myself in a context to where I can have a conversation about scripture, maybe with people who thought about it, not verbally, but intellectually, mm-hmm. and have the the openness to God guiding me through a message for that specific sermon that, you know, is is accurate, but also is not limited to just my understanding, mm. you know? Yeah. What's your approach? Yeah, I, I, um, I think for me, and I think it's uh, like Paul told the young minister, give attention to reading. And so I try to familiarize myself with, with the word, like reading the Bible over and over again as much as I can, just for, just to familiarize myself with it, right? And I think that if, if, I, if I believe that that's God's voice through the written prose, the more I read it, it's, it's like it's, it's, I raise horses, and my horses know my voice yeah. because I'm around, and, and somebody else can go and try to ride them, they don't ride the same. When I get on them, they they, they notice. Like, right, he ride differently when you get you get on them because he know my voice. And so I, I I think for me, I like to read the Bible. You know, um, just read it and have a Bible reading plan. I'm on one now where I read the uh, try to read the Bible every 13 weeks. You know, it's just me. Yeah. Um. So for me, reading. Then once I read, uh, or if I'm. Uh, that's the macro approach, but if I got to if I got to preach a text, right? We we we, we can't just preach the just uh thirty sixty six books of one sermon, right? So yeah. we, we take a text. So I, wherever that text is at, you know, for example, if, if I'm preaching on um uh what was I, what was the last text I preached? I think it was uh oh in, in First Samuel. So I want to read that that context over as many times as I can, right? To familiarize yeah. myself. So reading, I, I think that's my approach. The first thing. Just like you, like you said, perspective. Uh, when I, when I go to text, I want to approach it from a standpoint. You know, what are others saying about the text, right? And I think that that and some people will push back on that, but I think that's even in scripture with Paul, uh, like the circumcision, right? There was different mm-hmm. thoughts about circumcision, and they came together, and someone gave an oration, which is kind of like what a commentary is. It's a written oration about their perspective, and so. Now I'm listening to that commentary, like you said, and then I want to uh, better understand. So, like you said, there are, there are resources, right? And I look at like some people push back on commentaries or the, the academy. Uh, you know, I think we would agree. You know, we don't need the academy, but the academy is no different than a commentary. Because yeah. commentary is like a sermon yeah. from another person, right? So yeah. we can't. We can't throw the baby. So, so by me listening to a sermon every Sunday, that, that's a commentary. That person, the, the the person who preaching should best best he can, right? Prepare and take the word of God. But I still got I still got to check behind. It. Even though yeah. preach people still got to go and, and check behind the preacher, right? So then I like yeah I research. I uh, I got some books, commentaries. Uh, I got I'm, I'm part of a. Um, uh, online database now and so you know I have the access to that and then 
I like to, I, I go and I listen to other people preach about the text from different theological persuasions. Yeah. And what that, I, I've noticed what that, what that does, it, it either owns in or it challenges me to say, okay, is that right or that wrong? Or, you know, and, and, and then, um, uh, can I add? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. There is a benefit to hearing perspectives you don't believe in. Mm hmm. That are not true because it helps you sharpen up what you do believe in and why exactly. your point is true. Exactly. Exactly. I give I give you a point. I give you um to take your example. Um uh, uh my mind went blank. We I was the sermon that I that I preached. Um we'll go back to Simon the Peter, right? Mm -hmm. Um the idea of the caterpillar uh, metamorphosis. There, there are some people who believe that uh, mankind, who wherever you born with, is what you're gonna be. Well, I'm uh, like, I don't agree with that. You know, um, we get our pessimists from that that ideology. People just, I said, no, people can change. Yeah. And so metamorphosis, right? I, I, I'm like, I don't believe that. So I said, the Bible talks about that. Romans twelve one and two. And that's something I can see in nature, yeah. right? And so we don't need signs because God already has spoken, but signs just confirm, right? It's, it's a way we understand. And so like you said, somebody said something like, no, I don't agree with that. And so now I, I went back and said, let me go to the text. And, and then, you know, by me being in the scientific field, I, um, you know, was able to, able to, to um, confirm them. Another, I'll tell you another one. It's, it's dealing with race, right? Mm -hmm. Acts 17 the Bible said, God, from one blood, may all nations, or some versions say races, uh, uh, a nationality of people. Yeah. When I, when I was deciding to go into the, the biomedical engineering program, they did the Human Genome Project. And the Human Genome, they, they actually put empirical data that we're all connected biologically. Yeah. That's how trans, that's how they were able to do transplantation. I could take a kidney out of me, put it in, in somebody else's genome, you know, and what they've just genotypically and what they found that there are people that I'm more, I have more in common genetically that may be in Asia or other places than my own brothers and sisters that we define that we've been racialized as black or white. Yeah. So what what it did it confirmed scripture. Right, scripture. So, but people was elevating one uh, anti-biblical ideas, but like I said, I listened to it. I'm like, mm. so I'm, I read my text, Acts 17. I did some research. I'm like, wow, you know, and, and for me, that was powerful to be a bridge builder. Yeah. You know, and and so Act 17 is that, and, the, and, the, and I had an example, uh, going back to Sister Sue, she had a kidney transplant, I think, from a person from a, that was like eight years old and a completely different race. Yeah. And she she lived, I think, almost 12 to 15 years with the kidney. Yeah. Come on now. Yeah. You going to tell me, you know, you got racism, you got all these biases, sex, and all these isms. Yeah. And then I'm like, wow, this person is compatible. So God know what he's doing. Yeah. You know. So for me, that preaching and, and then the other approach is I think my my um my 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 style of preaching is that is I'm I'm like always thinking about those on the outside. And so I try, I try my best to um, preach in a way, uh, in a style 
that somebody may that may not be acquainted with scripture mm-hmm. or God and start at the uh, at the base level. And so I noticed that that's that that's my lane, you know. Um and so I know that I get more calls to to preach in that way, to, like building blocks. Yeah. You know, and I said that's my lane, you know, cuz there's a need for for that to so some people got started like like Paul Acts 17 he started I see you very he started where they were, he met them where they were. And so I so so my that's my approach. Is I'm always thinking about, you know, if someone doesn't know if someone doesn't know God, how can I explain John? I I think that that basic elementary approach is probably going to be needed to go back to because I think about when my mom, when she got converted to the Church of Christ, she came up out the Baptist, but it was in the 70s. I was born in 78. She said she became a member of Church of Christ about the time I was born, so I would say 70, 78-ish or so. But at that time in America, almost everybody was going to church. Mm. You know, mm. and now we've gone, so 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. We're in the 2020s. A lot of people stop going to church. Mm. And even the ones that do go to church, they only go to church for the most part. Just not everybody. I'm just talking general. But for the most part, they go to church because that's where their parents went. Mm. And so they don't have a biblical understanding of what the church, they have a traditional mm. familial understanding. This is what we've been going to. So this is all I know. Mm. And they don't even know, even in the church, they don't even know scripture. Really? Mm. They don't understand why we believe the doctrine we believe. They just know it's right because this is where my mama went mm. and the preacher, I trust him. And he said, it's only one church and it's church of Christ. And so if it's not church of Christ, it's wrong. Can you show that to me? No, I can't. So we're at a point to where everybody mm. needs, okay, let's start at the beginning mm. because we're getting to a point to where nobody knows nothing. Mm. And out of arrogance, we're acting like we know. Mm. You know, mm. we're acting like we know. Like like one that um, I think is... Uh, I hope nobody takes us the wrong way. One thing that I that we've been teaching as a church of Christ is you got to hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. Mm. But the way that we get to that, see, I believe that's the methodology for salvation. But the way that we get to that by quoting all of those different scriptures, which are really out of context, is unnecessary. Mm. Just go to Acts two. They heard the message. They believed the message. They was repentive of their ways they were baptized and then of course they confessed christ mm. but then they start living faithfully mm. you know you don't have to go to all of these other passages because you go to romans and you're talking about hearing well that's not a good place to go and take a person who's not a christian because romans was written to christians mm. and the only two books that you could possibly utilize from their canonical standpoint to convert might be Luke and Acts mm-hmm. because it's written the Theophilus mm-hmm. so that you may know the things that you were taught. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So so that you and the Acts was written talking about the inception, 
growth and expansion of the church Mm -hmm. to where the rest of these epistles are written to the church. Mm. These people are already converted, Mm. but in them you get uh, teachings of baptism. You get, you know, saying some teaching of a more ecclesiastical nature, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, if you want to teach how a person becomes a member of the church, it's very difficult to use that by utilizing something that is written to somebody who's already a member. Mm. It'd be better to utilize acts. And if you do that, you'll see that you got everything you need to preach what we traditionally have said, but not in the methodology in which we did it. Like Mm. earlier, we was talking about Ethiopian eunuch Mm. baptism and Jesus is all up in that passage. Mm -hmm. But through your study of scripture, Mm. it'll help unpack it. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You may have thought about something. And that is, um, like, I'm going to give you the the example. Because you made me thought, like you said, contextual study. Uh, I preached a message one time, I think, from Luke 14, 25 to 33. We, We typically... I call that pericope or that paragraph, the cost of discipleship. But I, I call it the greatest invitation. And and so my invitation to the audience that night was to come and die. Yeah. To come die. The person put, came up to me and said, you didn't extend the invitation. I said, I did. See, those are traditional things. Traditional things. I said, I, I, and you know, because I, didn't, I didn't, didn't check out the five steps. Yeah. I said, so I, I want. To, I was trying to get this individual to understand the context in which where we were. Yeah, Jesus in the Gospels, right? Before you even get to to baptism and all those things, John six forty five, Jesus is is inviting them to come to die, the cross, yeah, to d- death, crucifixion. That's where that's that's where we are. Yeah, and so I said the invitation. For every individual tonight is for us to come and die, because it's in that willingness to crucify myself that I'm going to, to respond to God according to Himself. But if I say if I don't do that, I'm just getting wet. Yeah. So I said I gave the invitation tonight. You see, so like you said, there's a need. Like I think about Nehemiah eight and eight that that the, that the people of God gave the sense. The teachers gave the sense. Or they explain what God is saying, right? Yeah. And so because I was explaining to him, I said the context. Jesus was dealing with was those who the multitude people who are curious, they're following at a distance, but they hadn't made a commitment yet. Yeah. And what they needed to do is understand what Jesus said to them. If any person comes to me and does not hate all those he lists and take up this cross, taking up a cross, yeah. death. Yeah. There's a movie I saw with Vin Raines. He smelled his hand. He's like, you smell that? It smells like death. You know, that's what the cross smelled like. It smelled like death. Yeah. It was offensive. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's offensive to tell someone you got to die. But that's not what we want to tell Christians today. And I think that that is um, for better or for, I think mostly for worse, has has hindered the growth of a lot of Christians is that we haven't from just the the leadership 
perspective over these last few decades haven't adequately told people that you have to deny self mm. and pick up your cross. Mm. We here in America have told people that you're fine. You just need to be baptized. Go mm. ahead keep living the way that you're living. Mm-hmm. You just need to be washed away of your few little sins and just come on Sunday, mm-hmm. make sure that you put something on the plate and you'll be okay. Mm. Nah. I have to die so Christ can live in me. Live and in that's me. that's not the message that people want to hear. Mm. Because then it means that I have to let go of all of these things that make me proud. Mm. I got to let go of all of these things that I have based my whole understanding of self on. Mm. Mm. And then I don't know who I am. Mm. And that's scary. It's scary. You know, because just, just think... Your, your your freshman college years, mm. the you then, how scary would it be if you told that Zachariah that you'd be who you are today, but to be that, you got to give up all of that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and the same for me. For sure. You know, and mm-hmm. that, that's, that's why I stopped coming to church in my early teen years when as soon as... As soon as I could, I stopped coming because I liked who I thought I should be. Mm. I was comfortable in in my flesh and in my worldliness. But as you grow in Christ, it's like, man, you got to let all that go. Mm. Let it go. Mm. That's it. That's it. Wow. And I think that's the journey that got us from where we are to now because mm-hmm. the more we hold on to scripture, the less we hold on to our identity mm-hmm. because we're open to wherever God would have us to go, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I think it was humbling for me to, to spend all that time studying, to go to these schools, to learn, to go preach at a congregation with less than 10 people. Mm. God was like, I don't care. Mm. This is where I want you at. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's it. That's it, man. That's it. You're right. And I think that's, um, I'm going to ask you if you have any closing thoughts, but I think that, uh, I, well, I'll just tell you what happened. Um, this, this individual, uh, and, and, you know, we know that sometimes preachers don't get along. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I don't think every preacher going to agree on everything. There's a, there's a way for that. We can agree to disagree. Um, there are times where there may be doctrinal things that may create separation, right? You know, if a person denies the deity of Jesus, like they did in the But that, that, that's what Paul says. Um, he says, there's division. I'm glad there's division because it, it lets us know who's not among who's us. Not you know what I'm saying? Us. And so sometimes we need that because there's a lot of wolf in sheep's clothing, mm-hmm. you know, who, who just come to fleece the flock. And, yeah. And we need these. At times, we need these contentious points to show, mm-hmm. okay, who I don't need to be listening to and who I do need to be right, listening to. Right, right. And it's not a popularity, mm-hmm. but it's a it's it's a correct biblical standpoint yeah, that I need to align sure, with. For sure, for sure. And I think pan- the pandemic has done that uh, with a lot of people, right? You know, because for example, 
people was uh you know a lot of these pseudo healers you know come on you know uh but i you know you're right you we, we need that and there was a uh preacher that was identifying his success by the the size of the building and the number of the people now i uh, as an engineer i've helped churches uh, build buildings and so nothing wrong with that you know we we end up we'll be hypocritical if i say that you know we're not nomadic in nature in the sense so we have a building it's paid off whatever but i think that if i measure myself by the mortality of this life you know i i the saved are, are the the strength of the church with God will make Jesus marvel his faith is I told him that, you know, how many people have come off the street crack on crack or drug, or whatever substance. And because they came in contact with Jesus through the conduit of the church and the people, they, they say with the Samaritan woman, we know him now yeah. and we've been set free because of the truth of his word through the discipleship of the brother through the, the vibrant of the spirit and through the preaching of the word you know i have many people been on the verge of break, family breaking down but they came in contact with jesus through the conduit of you the churches whatever and then they back together uh, all, all of this function that's that's the church yeah you know what i mean and 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 and, and if the size of the building, the structure come as a result of that revival, like the Valley of Dry Bones. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. You know, and so I think that, uh, like you said, uh, what a what an awesome opportunity and privilege for you know we can serve the people of God. And, and it's my last thing. I think that as we get ready to summarize, I think as preachers we have to be very careful that these are God's people. Not ours. Not ours. Yeah. You know, I, I uh, there are times where we have to correct, but I, I have to be very careful in the language I use. I, I don't tell people they should leave because it's not it's not my place. It's Jesus Church. Yeah. We can withdraw from brothers who walk this or even mark them. Yeah. But the spirit that says, you know, I'm gonna throw you out like off the cliff, like you know. That you know, God gave us instruction how to deal with Aaron brothers, but but the spirit should always be, come home, yeah, come home, and and how can I be you know? And so I I have to always remind me these are God's people. Yeah, I'm just I'm His slave, and I'm their slave. Yeah, you know, and being open to the fact that at one point I was on the outside. On the outside, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. Well, closing thoughts, Doc. What, what do you um? Getting closing remarks, man. Any thoughts that's been on your mind as we talk? No, I, I think just closing. I, I would hope that um, people will will give ear to to us and give us feedback. You know, what I'm saying in the comment section mm-hmm. as to what's working, what's not working, and mm-hmm. just give us grace to grow and mm-hmm. continue to check in. And if you got any ideas or topics, or maybe even people's that you would think would create a benefit to the church to converse with, you know what I'm saying? Let us know because what we're trying to do is be uh, a benefit to the church. And, and while we do this because we believe that it'll help, if it's not helping nobody, let us know how we can help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And I thank you for tuning in and hopefully this week you get to go worship. And if something that we said encourages you, continue the conversation at your church with your fellow brothers and sisters. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right.